bronche, bronche. That's how we say brunch. Here's to the ladies who say busy with their lunch. Who on that bochinche? Paquete con pinche. You know what they said? Got super busy glasses thinking. Aquí en esta mesa se respeta como ñon. Si la copa está llena, yo te doy la bendición. So what if we get batches? We from the Bronx. That's it. Don't get it twisted. We be going to Manhattan. Be a queen. Be a boss. Ladies who brunch are popping off. Hey, we pop, pop, and pop it off. We, we pop, pop, All pop right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Bronche. I'm Julissa. What's good, everybody? This is Skittles. And this week, we have a lovely, beautiful, creative girl who's out here killing it for the culture. Carolina, who the fuck are you? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay, so who the fuck am I? Um, so I'm Carolina Costa. I am first and foremost a Queens born and raised girl. Yeah. Colombian Dominican. Colombian Dominican. What a mix. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, not the typical one, though. Not what you would think. Mm. We'll get a little bit into that. Yes, we will. Uh-huh. And secondly, and very importantly, I am the founder of Tragos. Yeah. Party game para Latinos. Yes. yes. Which our listeners are very, uh, at this point, familiar with uh, Tragos because. Um, we have been playing a round of Tragos with every guest this season. Yes. So it has definitely been something that has brought all of us together this season. And we even, we did a little preview at our two-year anniversary party uh, during our panel. And I, I think what I love most about the game is is the fact that, like, first of all, it doesn't try to do too much in terms of what kind of drinking game it is. It's very straightforward. You can totally get hammered and still be able to follow instructions, which is very important <laughs> for a drinking game. But just honestly, like, I, we play with the Mi Tierra deck. Um, so we really get some of, some of the, the things that come up there it's just like it's almost like there's that moment of pulling the card and you're like nervous because you're like oh what like what thing is it gonna be Uh this time and then you read it and like every time I read it I always have a moment of pride of like oh my god yeah that's such a wonderful thing to highlight about us or oh my god do you know what I mean and just like the way in which it, it it kind of naturally has people talk about what their Latinx experience is, is just so exciting because like, and Juan, you talk about Cards Against Humanity all, all the yes. time and how much you hate it. Yes. Um, but tell us a little bit why you hate it. Yeah, I feel like Cards Against Humanity is just very much a white game. Um, <laughs> and I've only experienced it in those mediums of like being at like a white college party. <laughs> so right. like, it's just never something that re- I really took to. Um, and so, and I know that Cards Against Humanity nece- isn't necessarily a drinking game, but I always kind of like, um, associated, uh, associated yeah. it with mm-hmm. that because Cards Against Humanity was supposed to be like this party card game. And so to have one that was for us, I think one of my favorite things that uh, cards that has come up several times for us was like, if your last name ends with ES, easy or, yeah. or like that, like combination of things you have to drink or like when it's like, if your name is a Juan Miguel or this, like, <laughs> I love get I love I because I get caught in those like because right. I am Juan <laughs> right, right right absolutely and so like I think it's like you know not only is it I think great timing for for a game like this I just I think that we've always wanted it like we've always wanted to find ways and, and naturally I think like in in parties like some of the themes that come out in these cards are, th- are conversations that we have organically anyway um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your inspiration behind even making this drinking game. Yeah, of course. So I love 
that you guys love the game. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a game that came out of a desire that I had literally just for myself. Mm. I, you know, I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood and it was very Latino when you compare it to other places in New York. But, you know, growing up, learning English right away, Mm. you took to the American culture to fit in, especially once you get to college, you just want to be successful. And growing up, you know, you're told you gotta you gotta like kind of hide your hood or mm-hmm. or be well read. So I read a lot of books growing up. I like took to my vocabulary. It's like hardcore SAT girl. I was like such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and when I went to South America for the first time, I fell in love because I was like, what the hell? This is my culture. Like, mm. what have I been missing? And you know, coming back to New York it just felt like something was missing. Something was off. Mm. And I really wanted to do something about it, but I didn't know what. The only thing I had in my head was, okay, I want to go back to South America. I got to go live there. I got to do something with that. And um, that's when I had a friend that, you know, we were doing projects together. He was in marketing. I was doing graphic design. And we were both freelancers. We'd always bounce ideas off of each other, and he came to me with the idea of a culture game. Mm. And he's like, I want to do it for Asians. I'm like, oh, that's an amazing idea, but we got to do it for Latinos. (laughs) 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 And so we were going back and forth, like, which one should we do first? And so he's like, no, I I have an idea for, you know, how to market it. Let me do it for Asians and see how it works out. And so that's what we did, and it's the game Asian Flush. For anybody that doesn't know, it's like a sister game. Yes. And okay, shout out to Asian Flush, which mm-hmm. I have seen. I have seen uh, actually, and I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I saw it first actually before Tragos really? um, initially, just because I don't know what how they target me in ads. <laughs> I don't know why, but Instagram always has me with like new products. Like every time mm-hmm. I'm looking at my feed, and so I had seen it, and I remembered thinking like I'm jealous. Like mm-hmm. I'm so jealous that Asian people thought of this first and then you know I met you and then you know because I've heard the, the this story before and I remember thinking like holy shit like small world here you are thinking here I was hating on Asian people <laughs> <laughs> and there was a Latina behind the project and then she came out and made one for yes. us so literally right after the other yeah like, that is so and funny. so talk us a little bit through that process so what was it like like even like like who was writing how do you come up with the, the, the cards? cards I know like the design stuff is one thing but like the concept where was that really inspired from right so the content had to be a mix of you know it had to be coming from a lot of people because luckily I had two you know different subcultures to jump off of so Colombians Dominicans they are very different Mm -hmm. and you know I tried to find like what was similar between the both of them and that could be general for you know the rest of Latin Americans because one thing I wanted to emphasize was not being from a specific place mm-hmm. um, and just targeting all Latinos. I guess it's more like um, Hispanic American, mm. but that is that is what it is, you know. Until we jump into the rest of South America, Central America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know the good thing about growing up in Queens was. There's everybody there. There's Ecuadorians, Venezuelans, like Uruguayans, like everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, re- I just reached out to a bunch of friends. There were some friends that would literally go into the same dock as I and just throw in their ideas. Mm. So I owe it to them, you know, because we just brainstormed a lot. 
And then there were other people that just tested out the game, like, oh, okay, like, what is that? What is that? And there are some cards that people are like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the one thing that we keep learning more and more is that people should learn about other Absolutely. subcultures. Yeah. Like, if you don't know what Mangu or Morfongo is, you should. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've done with every card game, you know, a lot of testing. And we just keep keep improvising on it, keep improving the current one too so absolutely and I, I just on your point of who it includes in terms of like oh it's very hispanic yeah but like growing up as a dominican like bro everything i knew was central american like it either it was either like mexico or something else central american mm. and so like i i think that and that's another thing that excites me about this game it's it's bringing visibility to some of these like car- caribbean latinx countries that don't necessarily get that nuanced stuff so to have the word mangu on a drinking game is a huge deal i remember i was writing for uh cat call season three and i wrote a video of like um you know what's wrong with being a gold and I had used the word chichos, right? Mm. And but then in the final product, the, they use the word longhas, and I was like, "Well, what the fuck is a longha?" <laughs> and, and, then, and then and they were like, "Oh, you know." Well, when we were recording it, they were like, "What the fuck is a chicho?" You know, and it was so interesting, interesting. to me mm. that where it was like, and obviously, like I totally supported the creative choice, like it, whatever made the most sense. They, it's their project; they would know. But it was a moment of me being like, "Holy shit!" Like even when I'm writing for my own people. I, I don't I'm, I don't do a great job of like really capturing all of us, but like at what point do I get to be like no, it's Chicho not Longha, mm-hmm. right? Because right. even though the majority of like Latinx productions in television, just like in the Latinx world, comes from Mexico and like a lot of telenovelas, like mm-hmm. you know, like Televisa isn't that from Mexico? Like a lot of these major companies are all Mexican driven, and so mm-hmm. it's great. There's parallels, but I miss being highlighted in a way that is true to being Dominican. So mm-hmm. that's my long way of saying thank you mm-hmm. for including that type of stuff because it's important yes so carolina when you are out to brunch what is your go-to bronche bebida all right so i'm a terrible brunch person I'm not gonna lie every time <laughs> i was like let's brunch i'm like i'd rather be productive and work on um, brunch is productive brunch yeah. is self-care well, time because all my <laughs> friends od at brunch like they will like, it's not brunch, like, oh, let's go have, like, breakfast, lunch sort of thing, because I'm a big foodie. I'm like, yeah. Uh, but no, they'll want to, like, just drink for 12 hours. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I'm not, I'm never going to be, like, not drinking. Cause, right. Like, who am I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, for brunch, I will do mimosas because whatever. I love breakfast, and, you know, it's orange juice. But if I had to choose, I would be drinking margaritas. I like a good breakfast margarita. Which I was going to say, which is a thing. There was yeah. R.I.P. to Limon Jungle, which is a spot that Skittles <sighs> always went to. But the mar- yeah. margaritas was on the Unlimited. Yes, yeah. oh the margaritas God. were on the Unlimited. It was so lit. There's actually a Lime Jungle, too, in Chelsea. Mm. It's a smaller spot, same menu. Um but R.I.P. Lamont Jungle, I miss you. Yeah, and there are still some places. I mean, if you are interested in ever like going to a brunch and wanting to be able to do margaritas, that's a thing at some yeah. other places too. So definitely look it up. Yeah. Oh, so then when you're out to brunch with the girls, what is your go-to brunch plate? Plate. Like a dish, right? Mm-hmm. Chicken and waffles. Yes. Mm. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yes. yes. Is there a spot that you've gone to that you're like, this is incredible? 
Yes. Uh, the Shady Lady in Astoria. The Ooh. Shady Lady. I've never heard of it. Never. Yeah. They have a great brunch menu and interesting chicken and waffles. They're a little more bougie, but I love delicious. Okay. I love yeah. going to bougie. I mean, it's Choices. brunch. You need bougie. <laughs> yeah. I love that shit. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about what it was like going out to eat when you were growing up. Okay. So we would always go to, well, first of all, that was rare because mm-hmm. you know I comida in la casa right mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and but we would when we would go out it would usually be to the Colombian restaurants eating the same thing at home but just kind of with like all the accessories so we would do a lot of Colombian foods like Boyo Marios is a big chain in Queens mm. um, I don't know where else but I'm sure in other places and it's usually like the pollo a la brasa the pandeja paisas which are more like from Medellin or whatever but whatever that's that's what we see a lot in um in like Jackson Heights and it's like a lot of chicharron it's arepas Mm. it's you know obviously rice and beans Mm. and I will say it has to be like maduro not tostones at least for me right when I'm eating like a whole meal like like chicken rice blah 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 maduros because I feel like tostones, to me, are like French fries. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, like, yeah. it's not, like, it doesn't feel, like, if like if I'm eating tostones, I don't need rice, is my thing. Like, oh, I don't need, because tostones, to me, are like French fries. Like, literally, like, that is how I'm used to consuming nah. them. Nah. Listen, <laughs> because it doesn't, like, texture-wise, even, like, texture-wise, it feels weird to me. Yeah, 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 it feels like its own chip thing. It's I could see, be, I could see it, I you saying up, it's like yeah. a fry, but I still need rice. But you know I'm a rice and beans person. Right, so. yeah, but I just I feel like to me it would feel weird to have a rice and beans and fries. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like yeah, that's how I do it. But listen, give me a good fish fry, or even Ooh. like how Dominicans do Dominican spaghetti with tostones. Like people would literally do that. And I like, love Dominican spaghetti. I love Dominican spaghetti with tostones, right? But it's something weird about it. I could think because mm. like the, uh, anyway, I n- did not mean to derail. derail <laughs> I just wanted to point out that like I love me a good tostón, but it, it on its own, not mm. as a like side. That makes sense. Yeah, I like it as like a appetizer. Yeah, like when you go to like yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. Shrimp or whatever. Yes, like when they do like the seafood shit and they put it on top of it. So what? So what are the Dominican? So you guys went out to mostly Colombian restaurants. Did you guys ever really dabble in Dominican restaurants? Right. So I, I grew up um, mostly with my mom, Mm. and I would visit my dad in the summer, and that would be in Orlando, and we would. That, that's all my Dominican side. Mm. And so every summer, that's the only time where I would be my Dominican self, honestly. Uh-huh. But growing up, I more identified as a Colombian because, you know, I spoke more Colombian Spanish. And, you know, grow, like growing up with my cousins, you spoke English. So, like, you wouldn't really... The only, the only like, Dominican part of me would really be what my grandma cooked. Mm. Um, mm. And then that varied, too, like... I, and I never like the sweet beans. What are the abichuela? Oh, abichuela con dulce me either. I don't like it. No, I don't like it either. And <laughs> 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 At least in the camera, like, what? Yeah, like it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was, I, I don't, I like eat more Dominican food, food now, but like when I visit my dad in Jersey and that's like mad Dominican, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. So, so tell us then, what is your favorite bochinche topic to discuss over a meal? Okay, so I love like t- 
talking gossip with my mom. <laughs> yes, because moms are the best gossip. Yeah. And so when we talk, I love giving her bochinche because she her reactions are the best. So, like, I literally, like, last week, I went over after, like, a long time not seeing her. I was, like, traveling, whatever. And I come over, and I was like, so this person died. And she's like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) no, no te puedo creer. (laughs) And I'm just like, and there's more. And so I just kept giving her all this gossip, this primo, this, this tia, that. And she was like, (gasps) and just bugging out. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did that too. I think, like, I, and Skittles, I want you to talk about because you stayed gossiping with your mother. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I will say that I, I share that experience with you of, like, liking to bring it to your mom because my mom, like, different generations, my mom's very conservative, Christian, blah, 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 and I'm very the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. But we both have really good hearts, but we also are have very strong opinions about other people in their lives and how they're handling it. <laughs> but don't try to tell us about ourselves. Um, so, like, when I be telling her, she'll be like, I no, 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 pero bueno, Dios el que sabe. I look, she starts going into these, like, sermons and praying. Like, she'll talk all the shit and then be like, pero tú sabes, Dios el que sabe. So, back in the hands of God after she done talked all this shit. And Skittles and his mom be, be yeah. spilling tea all me the time. And, me and my, my mom knows like all of my business and then all and a lot of my friends business let me be the one to call it out because i know his mother knows his mother knows everything that she could know about him yes then they would know about me if it's something that he wouldn't share about himself then he doesn't like spread it with mommy exactly that's but the rule that's the rule like, when i share certain things with him i be knowing sometimes as i'm speaking i'm like mommy's gonna hear this eventually. <laughs> she's, she's like, she's like, she's like, she's like you know i'm not i, I can't drink alcohol and stuff she didn't know i was diabetic and go ahead tell, tell how yo <laughs> yo because she didn't know that 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 julissa had diabetes or anything and she was like oh well listen i know your birthday's coming up so i better not see her drinking and we're going out to brunch and i know that you're gonna want to do a boozy and let me tell you she's not drinking because i'm there <laughs> and when i got that I didn't even bother i didn't even act like oh man i'm so bummed i can't drink she saw me order tea and she was like mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> But it comes from a place of caring, absolutely. you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you can't you can't be mad at them for knowing. And my mom, I I'm lucky enough that my mom is like a cool mom in the sense of like, yes, she has she's a mom and she's was strict and all this stuff. But because, um, so when my parents split up, I lived with my mom by myself from the time that I was 13 to 25. Mm-hmm. So she and I. While we do have a mother-son dynamic, there's also, like, a roommate's dynamic, too. So, like, that's why I spill tea with hers. (laughs) Because I know that... Like and and it's it, like what Julissa says. It's it's what if I would share it about myself, then I will share it about my friends. And so it's to the point where it's like spelling tea, and I know that she's not gonna be judgmental, but she's gonna like have her say and her opinion, and then, yes. you know, that'll be what it is. All right, and now we're moving into our Cheers to the Ladies Who section where we shout out dope people doing dope shit. 
this one's a shout out to us and Helping Hands for Puerto Rico. Yes. So we just recently, we both, both Dragos and Lady Subronche recently partnered with Helping Hands for Puerto Rico to collect funds um, in wake of the earthquakes that are happening in Puerto Rico. Um, but Helping Hands for Puerto Rico, like they're not just a response to the earthquake. They're an organization that does a lot of work on the ground. And I think one of the cooler projects that I discovered that they're working on in lieu of the earthquake is building like school sites like little like tents hubs because a lot of kids right now are literally not going to school mm-hmm. and the, the you know the education crisis in Puerto Rico has been going on like even before Maria but like now with all of these damages that are happening especially on the south part of the island not all kids have access to school so a lot of what they're doing is around that and other stuff but I got really sick so I missed Drago's fundraising mm-hmm. event Carolina tell us a little bit about the event Right. So we partnered up with Helping Hands for Puerto Rico and we wanted to originally just do a Valentine's game night sort of thing. Just Mm. bring the game to the community. So we, you know, with everything going on in Puerto Rico, we actually had a contact connect us to Helping Hands. And with their support and, you know, us trying to support them, we put together this fundraiser within, you know, just two weeks and it was just like a good time to have people come together, do a little happy hour, play mm. tragos. We invited local local customers. Nice, it's so cute. Um, and that night we raised five hundred dollars. Awesome. Nice. So yeah, it's been it's been great working with them. We had a few people within the network come and support too. So it was a good time. And you guys also had, if I'm not mistaken, a campaign going on with the sales even where a portion of every Tragos purchase also went. Yes. Yeah. So from the beginning of January up to, you know, very recently, we were donating a dollar for every game sold. So along with that, we raised over about $2,000. Yeah, which is awesome. And I just love, you know, and this was one thing. So for Lady Subronche, the Oye Mi Canto event went really well, actually. You know, it was this year we went a bit smaller scale than what we did for our first Oye Mi Canto, where we had like almost 200 people. This one was a more like intimate group. And what was nice about that intimacy is that we really dug into a dialogue with our audience about the actual practices when giving and what the best practices are around that. So, for example, I think one of the biggest shocking statistics or things that were was mentioned was like, all right, well, we had a whole fundraiser and we collected $2,000 worth of items. This is physical donations. Um, but then it cost us $5,000 to ship it. Oh so so then it's almost like this this sort of like, how, how does that make sense when for all that, we should have just donated $5,000 yeah. to the organization directly and allowed right. for them to assess the funds. And then I think the second point that really stuck with me was this idea of how the dollar doubles so if i'm buying cases of water paper towers diaper what have you here in the u in the in like this u.s because puerto rico is part of the united states and that's not what i'm saying but we have separate economies right so um that circulates in our economy here if we give an organization like Helping Hands for Puerto Rico the money and they go to buy the cases of water, diapers, paper towels, what have you, then that's circulating within the Puerto Rican economy. Yeah. And that right. actually is what's going to help rebuild the economy. Skittles, what what, what were some of your favorite highlights from there? I think um, specifically that point was something that I didn't uh, realize. Like that idea of like, yeah you know, we have these hurricanes and we have the earthquakes and you can donate physical things. And yes, that does like help out, help out for the moment. But the idea that 
the problems in Puerto Rico lie outside of disasters, which was the whole what our panel was about, right. and um, and the fact that like donating smarter in terms of like the problems are economic problems and you want to be able to feed the economy in Puerto Rico. So making sure that you're going to like mom and pop shops and actually buying it from Puerto Rico so that it does circulate in the island. Um, but that was one of the biggest things that I wanted to point out that I didn't realize. But in terms of our event, I thought that it was really great. It was intimate. Um, we hosted it at My Haven Bar and Grill. Yes. Um, we had like, it was like, it was very intimate. It was nice. They have like an art space in the back and we had like Christmas lights all around and we have some great dope performances that happened. Um, we had a comedian, dancers, singers, like it was yes. a really well-rounded showcase, poets. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I did a poem. I was like, he pointed at me. I'm like, yeah, I did. I did yeah. And then we had Lucha, Lucha there documenting the whole thing. Yes. So, I think overall it was like a really nice event and everybody was just feeling the vibes and Absolutely. And it was a brunch is the one thing I want to highlight. Yes. So very on brand for us, but I think that you know hopefully more to come of events like that where we yeah. merge brunch with just some important shit that we want to highlight. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. And that's something Dragos wants to do too. They like you know right now we're like okay, how do we raise money, you know, through sales, but like you said, we don't know what it is to actually donate and make a difference in a place, and we want to work with more organizations and, you know, more causes to see like what we can actually make a, like how we can make a difference, you know, physically or with our business or with our network because it all just makes a difference. Absolutely. Shout out to us. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. And yeah. Cheers. And definitely look up Helping Hands for Puerto Rico and see how you can support them and what they are doing. Yes, they're at HH4PR on Instagram. Instagram, absolutely. Oh, can I have some? Okay. All right, everybody. So now we're moving into our Tuta Loca S, where we call motherfuckers out for doing the most. Okay. What is going on? <laughs> okay. So this week, a Florida woman was accused of killing her boyfriend um, by way of um, allowing him to suffocate in a suitcase. Now, one might ask, how the fuck did he get in a suitcase to begin with? Well, and there and there are a couple in their 40s. Um, they were playing hide and seek together in the home. Um, <laughs> and she thought it would be funny if he got into the suitcase. Uh, <laughs> hide and seek works, by the way. Right, right, yeah, right. Like <laughs> Which is, my first question is like, so y'all was just really playing with the two of y'all, but how are you going to help him hide? <laughs> And then seek him. Like, like, you know, this is that Florida shit. Like, what is going on in Florida? Florida Right. So, so, um, that, that, you know, she claims that she put him in the suitcase and then she went upstairs, passed out, and woke up, um, to a phone call, which then had her be like, oh shit, he's still in the suitcase. So she went downstairs and she found him dead. But there were videos that were found on, uh, on her phone which show that he's yelling, I can't breathe, that he couldn't breathe and to let him out. And she says, and I'm like sort of lightly quoting here, that's what it feels like when you choke me. Um, and that's what it feels like when you're cheating on me. Right. And then, and mm. then, you know, and then he's like pleading. And so like in, in the, also when they found his body, it seemed like he had suffered some hits and you can tell, like you see the marks of him trying to get out of the suitcase himself and he didn't survive. What the fuck? <laughs> Initial response and wow. thoughts to that. <laughs> I go ahead. I'm still, I'm still processing, processing, right? That I just 
my whole thing is this my whole thing (laughs) is this right because i thought about it right and i was like first of all this is fucked up and crazy second of all this is definitely some florida shit but three if i were to be caught killing some my partner and not that i would kill my partner but like what what would cheating be the thing that really makes us go that as far as like allowing them to die like if you were caught killing your uh, significant other what do you think would be the reason and how do you think you'd kill them Mm. damn okay clearly not something that we've thought of and planned out which is a good sign which is a good sign (laughs) like what would drive me to kill someone premeditated right I mean, I'm assuming so because she was like, oh, that's what it feels like when you choke me and that's what it feels like when you cheat. Because the obvious and logical answer to this would be self-defense. Right, 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 Mm -hmm. right. right. But we had to remove that off the table. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's not... Yeah, I mean, like, if you put hands on me in that way, maybe I would want to kill you. I mean, like, you know, and if I were... I feel like... I feel like I would kill... Like, it would have to be on some enough shit. Like, if you were hitting me, then, yeah... Okay, yeah, so I guess self-defense would be, like, off the table. But I would, that's my thing. Like, I feel like I would be on my J-Lo enough, you know, but. I feel like, all right, so I'm going to just come out and say I really feel some type of way about cheating. I feel very seriously about (laughs) cheating. And I only because, only because I'm like, if cheating happens, that means that problem number one is communication. And if we don't have our communication together, why are we in a, in a relationship with each other? Mm-hmm. I would never kill somebody for cheating on me. But in having experiences where I've seen females around men that I've had some sort of relationship with and seeing red in that moment, I actually understand the logic of like you behave irrationally. This is a little bit too premeditated though. This whole like, Oh, yeah. ha, ha, let's play hide and seek. But I feel like, so our, our good friend, Derek, I feel like Derek would have a very well <laughs> thought out. Like, like if this headline was Derek, like I wouldn't be like, wow, that's so strange that Derek would do that. I'd be like, of course he would be like yeah no let's play a game hide and seek ah, yeah that's what it feels like when you choke me yeah like i feel like i could see somebody doing this as crazy as it sounds for me though i feel like i'd go for their balls like i have this weird thing about mm. men and how their egos are tied to their dicks and i know that i kill a guy but i feel like i'm not above uh cutting somebody's dick off <laughs> <laughs> survive they will survive that and there have been cases where people have survived that so i know it's not gonna end your life but you you gonna know what happens when you think your balls is about to be all up in other pussies oh man i would kill someone if i found out that they had maybe hurt somebody else that you love or something like that or if it was like you know a kid or something that's fucked up like like a serious, like you know, someone that is not good for society. No, yeah. totally. I would probably premeditate that murder. Right. Because, yeah. You know, you watch enough shows. Right. I could get away with it. Right. <laughs> right. You I watch enough but, I, but in doing so, because I, I think, I think that that I agree with that. Like, if it was something like somebody, <laughs> cut that part out. Cut that part out. That's incriminating. That's incriminating. <laughs> Um, we also found a video on a podcast. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, why did she film a video? Like, she probably really thought her story was gonna hold up. You know what I mean? Like, and didn't think that they would drunk, have. Maybe she was drunk. She probably uh, also didn't think that they would have a reason to have to go through her phone. Like, maybe they asked. I don't think she was like, "Here, take my phone." You know what I mean? Maybe she didn't think that he was gonna die. True. Like. In my, like, stupid head, I think that, like, 
in my head, I would be like, oh, well, you could probably breathe through the holes of the zipper. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I so, like, mm-hmm. maybe. But <laughs> what if it wasn't th- one of those maletas that we be using when we travel to DR and shit? That that because you get the the ones that are made of tela because they stretch a little uh-huh. bit, right? You can pack a little more. <laughs> but the hard shell ones. What if it was a hard shell uh, one? Also, how small was he? That he fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't. How big was this suitcase? suitcase like. And who comes up with the idea of let's play hide and seek? And who says I'm gonna be the motherfucker to get in the suitcase? <laughs> you know, maybe there were maybe they were hot, maybe they were eating them bath salts because you know people from <laughs> Florida, Florida love their bath salts. They love their they bath sure salts because <laughs> this really sounds like some crystal meth shit. Like yeah, but she don't even you know, and she is white for those who are wondering. <laughs> um, but his name was like Jorge. He was Latino, you know, oh. like. And I'm just out here like, Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was such a fucking crazy story. And honestly, there's like a slew of like, oh, really big news that's important to the world that's like crazy fucked up shit. But even among stuff like that, I just wanted us to remember that there are still people out here <laughs> doing some wild shit just in the comfort of their in own the home. Comfort of their home. And I think it's important that we bring these conversations to light because... Yeah, you don't want to get caught out here playing hide and seek. I feel like I need to warn every other Jorge in the world, like, yo, if she tells you to play hide and seek and get in the suitcase, get, get out. <laughs> get out. Like that's Also, don't <laughs> cheat and don't choke your Your person. girls, yeah. 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 Your person, yes. You know, like, I honestly, I think, like, I, I mean, I... Like I said, not that we would kill someone, not that I would just chop somebody's balls off, but don't play me. Mm. Um, You know what I mean? Don't try me. But I I do think that there is something to this like, oh, people say um, most of uh, women's like the crime rate when it comes to women there. I forget what the percentage is, but the majority of the percentages of crimes that women commit are crimes of passion. Mm-hmm. so and, and, and it's interesting and I think that even like watching shows like Orange is the New Black and stuff like that you get that sense like a lot of those mm-hmm. women are in there and they did do the thing but where why why what led them to that decision women aren't naturally inclined to just be out here like violent. killing and violent and shit mm-hmm. like that but again like if I catch you with a bitch on my couch I might feel like I want to cut your dick off you know what I mean like that yeah. might be a real Honestly, feeling I would I feel like in my situation I would want to do something like that be like Okay, I'm not gonna kill him, but I'm just gonna like stab him. Right, 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 right. That you know that they'll survive. But then knowing my luck, it would probably be like some part that actually just won't stop bleeding. I'm like, oh great. And then you're like, oh fuck, no, no, oh no, you gonna die. Sorry, I wasn't trying to kill you, but you, you about to die. My bad. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not intended. No Um. hard feelings. I need to, I'm going to have to update my Tinder profile. People are going to be like, yeah, I can't have ladies who put on chill on there anymore. Anybody who hears this, I'm going to want to fuck with me. All right. And now we're moving into our plate of the day for Latinas girls when the platano ain't enough so this conversation is driven around the idea that you know being uh in the latinx culture in general right there's a lot of stereotype stigmas and expectations that are placed upon us i love the new memes that are coming out of like yeah i'm um Oh, I don't look Dominican. I'm sorry. I forgot to bring my platano with me. Oh, I'm like, you know, oh, I'm Salvadorian. Sorry. Forgot to bring pupusas. Like, you know what I mean? Like little things like that. And I and I think it's true because 
I think growing up for me, especially like South Bronx born, uh, well, Harlem born, South Bronx raised, um, went to middle school there, was around, you know, black and brown kids, went to LaGuardia High School for the mm. first time. I started to interact with white people outside of doctors, teachers and things like that. And I had white peers, which was a huge culture shock for me, mm. especially at the uh, in those formative years. But even in but but the sort of caveat for me was like, oh, when I was in my Bronx setting, people would call me Hillary Clinton and white girl and shit like that because I was too white for the black and brown kids. But then when I got to LaGuardia, I will never forget freshman year. Somebody came up and they were like, oh, you're from the South Bronx. Wait, wait, wait. So like that means you sleep to the sound of like bu uh, bullets, right? Like that's what you hear at night when you sleep. And I remember me being in that moment, though, and I was still young and naive, and I was trying to fit in. So I was like, ha, ha, yeah, you know, because the Bronx is so dangerous. And, like, I would play up some of the stereotypes of, of, of my culture in order to, like, fit in more. Because in a way, I felt like, oh, okay, this is their way of telling me I'm not them. Like, I'm not one of them. It doesn't matter how much, how many Converse I buy. It doesn't matter how much rock music I listen to or whatever the fuck. I'm not a white person, and so I don't get to claim their culture. And then, you know, in college, I started to slowly migrate back into my Latinidad because I learned the term Afro-Latina. And I was like, holy shit, things make more sense for me now. Like, you know, because there was always a part of, like, black culture that also spoke to me, but I always thought that's just because I'm from the Bronx and mm. not because I knew that there were actually parallels between Dominican culture and black culture because Dominican culture is black culture. Um, so learning that was a huge sort of like aha moment for me. Um, but I still find that I have these moments of like, hey, I am a proud Dominicana. I love me some platanos. But like, for example, like I hate abitrela con dulce. Like I don't buy like bright color pants and clothes to go out. Like, you know, like there's just certain like stereotypes of the Dominicana that like I'm so far from. And it makes me feel weird about still claiming my Dominicanness, and sometimes I feel like I still need to play it up to, first of all, let these white people know, yes, I'm Dominican and I'm proud, mm -hmm. but to let the Dominican know, like, you know, like, nah, I'm still one of you. I am a Dominican woman regardless of how I present. So all of that to say, I'm very curious to hear for you guys, what are the ways that you feel the most connected to your Latinx culture? And then what are the ways in which you feel the most disconnected to your Latinx culture? Mm. So, born and raised in Queens, I grew up in the same way, like, surrounded by mostly brown kids, and everybody was, you know, from a different, like, country. There was a mix of everybody, Central, South American. And I lived in, like, Little Colombia, so I, my first language was Spanish, and the part that I feel disconnected the most, because it's something that I've always struggled with, is not being able to be super fluent in Spanish. Mm. And my whole life, like from the moment I started learning English, like, I don't know, I was like six years old, I became super fluent. And from then on, I was like, I don't want to speak Spanish. All, the, all my friends speak English. Mm -hmm. Even if they were from Hispanic households, like, that's just what it was. And, you know, my mom would always call me Americana, like not not like real Latina. And, and the more that I felt ashamed about it, the more I didn't want to speak it. Mm. And it would kill me. And even to this day, I have a hard time speaking in Spanish to my mom. But I love Spanish. It's such a great language. And I'm actually more fluent than most people would think to give me credit for, but I can have a whole conversation in Spanish. I lived in South America for like four months, and it was like amazing. It was like the best, the most 
Latina I've ever felt. Mm -hmm. And then to come back and it's like, all right, like, how do you balance that? You know, I want to be like perfect, but then I'm also American. Mm -hmm. And then also not looking the way people expect me to look. So when I say I'm half Dominican, they're like, what? <laughs> Are you, you sure? Like, what? Like, that's always the biggest surprise. And then I feel bad because, not just because of how I look, because, you know, everybody comes in different right. in different shapes, looks, sizes, colors, mm -hmm. everything. And that's something that's, like, not too bad. But then I don't have the Dominican accent when I speak or, you know, I don't know about the history. I've never even been to DR. I'm actually going in two weeks. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Yes, girl. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. I love hearing people's first time. <laughs> yeah, so that's just something that I've I've always been like, when am I going to feel like a real Latina? And then mm. to come out with a game that's all about Latinidad, my whole family's like, what? <laughs> mm. They're just so, like, not confused. Like, everyone's proud, everyone's supportive, but they're kind of just like, where did this come from? And it really did come from exploring the culture, getting out of the U.S., which I encourage every single um, you know, U.S. born Latino to do, especially the younger generation, because it's something that I've realized through this game, you know, through customers and fans and followers, whatever, that a lot of people are like me. And you, the one thing I've learned in the year that, you know, has been Tragos is you don't have to speak perfect Spanish. You don't even have to speak Spanish at all to call yourself Latino and to you know say your name with the with the r roll and right. you, you don't even have to roll your r's perfectly because i can't roll my r's <laughs> to, to feel latino just as long as you embrace that culture that's enough right. no matter mm. what anybody says and then the one thing that i do feel most connected with is um the food <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because really, truly, and there's so many cultures with great food, but Latinx food is just yes. like, God, we yes. cook, man. And honestly, so. we handle our meats very well. And I mean that in both uh. senses. Okay. We handle our meats very <laughs> 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 We handle our meats very, <laughs> very, very, very. <laughs> what happened was you were sipping and looking down and we were like, oh. <laughs> 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 on the microphone. <laughs> Sticking our tongues out on the mic. No, yes. but but I yeah, I think our food and I love it. I love that even within Latinx food, like there are subcategories because pupusas and I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, pupusas. pupusas are not the same as eating, you know, Mexican food is not the same as eating Dominican food. And honestly, like even between Dominican, Puerto Rican food and Cuban food, there's a lot of similarities, but there's always a little difference in the sazon or something mm -hmm. that that people do. Like Boricuas love to put coconut in their rice and like a Dominican might do that, but that's not like standard. You know what mm. I mean? And it's not standard for Boricuas either, but I feel like every time somebody's grandmother would mix the rice, somehow there's some it's cocoa different. milk or something makes it mm. in the recipe. You know what I mean? Like, and so there's always these nuances that makes it exciting. And so when I go to a Latinx restaurant, even though I'm, I'm going to, I know I'm going to get rice, beans and whatever, the shit hits different every time. Mm. And I love me some Colombian food. Let me tell you. Yeah. Really? So good. A lot of people like, I mean, it's not the most amazing. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I would say I that. fuck with it. It's so, <laughs> it's so good. Like in itself, you know? Yeah. It's, especially like U.S. Colombian food. Mm. I don't know. Colombia's doing something different, but that's that's another topic. That's another <laughs> yeah, I had a so I had a one of my 
somebody who's like probably not even technically my cousin by how many generations <laughs> removed we are, um, married somebody who um, is from Colombia. And so every time their daughter had a birthday party, for one reason or another, like they catered with Colombian food and not Dominican food. So once a year, I always looked forward to going to these parties because what they, I don't know, I don't even remember. It was like rice beans, something about the chicken tasted better. And they were just like, even though the texture of the beans was different than the texture of the beans that my mom would make. Mm-hmm. And it was always slamming. So, you know, yes. I'm going to take your word for it. But my experience so far, Colombian <laughs> food, I, I fuck with it. I fuck with it for sure. Skittles, yes. what about you? How do you feel most connected and where are you disconnected? I feel like I, my answer is probably going to be the very same thing as Carolina. I am not a fluent Spanish speaker, so that's the disconnect for me. Um, and I think that for me, it was literally that that the reason being was that my family was full of teachers teaching Mm. in English-speaking schools. And so English was just what I grew up speaking first and um, just picking up. And then growing up, whenever I would try to speak Spanish, the being made fun of made me feel mm. ashamed and oh, then I'm scared. Sorry. Yeah. I'm oh, and I called all the, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one. The other like... day, but the other day I even <laughs> called my mother out and I was like, yo, like you make fun of me for not knowing how to speak Spanish, but this is the exact reason why I don't try because right. of that, you know? Every um, years. yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, definitely the not being able to speak, but feeling connected. I think that my mother did a very good job of of really um, uh, allowing, uh, having us embrace our culture in mm. the sense of like, um, you know, I've been cooking since I was 11 years old and like, I'm talking like fresh sofrito and all this stuff, you know, knowing, knowing like the key meals to make just the way that I was brought up my father's a salsero so I knew all the like salsa stuff and I've listened to it brought to Puerto Rico every year um so I was able to really connect in that sense of like being able to go to Puerto Rico and know the family there and and you you would enjoy those moments like would you say that you have like a a loving relationship with like salsa or some of these things oh yeah Yeah, absolutely there's there's always like a sense of pride and and a connection to it um and it brings me back to just relationships with my father and my family and stuff like that um the pride in like my family story and like how my mother, how my grandmother came and like knowing all those details and stuff like that. I'm actually working on a documentary by mom yes. about my grandmother's life yes. because of stuff like that. So I feel very connected with my culture in that sense of like how I was brought up and the things that I was taught and yeah. appreciation, but the speaking Spanish. And then with Should Spanish Girl Say being this like person that's recognizable to a lot of Latinos, right. but still not having that, like, for yeah, like that for fluent, yourself. yeah. Yeah, and it's like, for me, I think my wanting to, because I feel like at one point that, like, oh, well, I'm going to separate myself from Dominicans as much as possible when I was in the community before sort of transitioning into this wider space came from, 
I don't know how I got certain wokeness at a young age, but I always felt that there was something wrong with the way women functioned in the Latinx society in terms of the, being the ones who clean and mm. cook. And I was always like, oh, you know, my mom would be like, my brother would be like, ma, try me jugo. And then she'd pour the juice and then she'd be like, here, go take this to your brother, right? And then I'd go with the cup and I'd take it. My brother, I'm like, why wow, this nigga can stay in his bed and, and I got to get, when I want juice and stuff, I got to get up and get it myself. Mm. Like little things like that. I think really justice is like one of my like core values. So when I think something is even slightly unjust, I mean like even like I can see like, oh wow, they gave them two pieces of chicken and just me one piece of chicken. Why? <laughs> Why? Which actually just happened at the last <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? So like for me, it was just like, fuck out of here. Like uh-huh. I, I actually was deeply connected to a lot of aspects of Dominican culture that I quickly was like, no, no, no. Disc unplug me right the fuck now because mm-hmm. I'm not that bitch. Like I'm not about to be. I mean, so a lot of that resistance came from that um and i didn't really have and just and to be clear my mom is a very independent strong-willed woman so it's not like she's some like domesticated oh whatever but you know she did just like i'm first generation so like she came here her jobs were like you know babysitting baking like so a lot of the work that she did still kept her within the household even though she was working but for me i was just like no i need to get the fuck out no i need to be rich fuck marrying a rich dude though Mm. i'm happy to marry a rich man if you'll have me but like (laughs) i can make my own money like I can do my own shit. And so that then made me disconnected from the cooking. That then made Mm -hmm. me disconnected from the idea that, oh, when I go to parties, I need to know how to dance and I need to dress a certain way and I need to have makeup on and get to go to the salon and get my hair done. And anytime I participated in those things, it was because I was forced in a way. It was like my mom was like, you know, you're not about to just show up however you want, right? Baja al salón de un pronto, o si no, deja que yo te pase ese blower, y la ropa, y esto, y lo otro. And, like, all of that stuff was just so drilled, and I felt like I needed to run away. But now that I'm in in my adulthood, mm. I find, like, an eagerness to be like, damn, I don't, I've never cooked rice before. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I've never oh, attempted, you. I feel like that's you know what I mean? Because right. I'm a pro rice cooker. Right, yeah, no, for real. <laughs> the other day, I was at Skittles' house, and he cooked so fast, I was just like, wow. When I did, I whipped up, I was like, Right. It was like literally like he hit a button and then like this meal appeared. And I was like, and I know how to cook, but like, I like quinoa and shit like that. My mom always goes, I know, esta se cree que está cocinando gourmet, no? Esta cocina gourmet, right? And like that, but, but I, so I like to cook, but I'm not necessarily cooking those dishes. And like, I love Latinx music. I love, mu- like, when I asked Skittles that question, that was more because I'm like, I stay listening to certain salsa music and even though that's more boricua, but I love my bachata, I love my merengue, like Juan Luis Guerra any day. Like, I listen to him mm. weekly probably, right? But I don't always find that like most of my friends have that connection to the music. So I feel like that's a piece of me that I enjoy, but only get to enjoy it around the viejos. Mm. So like when I'm around other old people and yeah, mm. I don't find that my friends really fuck with the, especially like the old, old school shit. Like mm. people don't really fuck with it. So I find like, I don't get to share my, my Latinx music passion with anyone. It's really mm. hard. And then in the rare moments where you're in a room with your friends and that one bachata song comes on, I'm like, Oh yeah, you, so you know this song? Yeah. this shit is You know what I mean? And then I get excited um because it's not just i'm not listening to romeo santos i mean i do but that's not my main i'm listening to the old dude who i can't even name who's like whoever made that song i like that like you know what i mean like that's the shit i'm really on um so yeah definitely hear what you guys are saying but i wonder for you guys and I'm even trying to think for myself what that moment might have been. Has there ever been a moment where you wished you were something else than what you are? Ooh. Culture-wise. Um, or gender-wise, I mean. 
if you ever wanted to be a cat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, gender wise, I mean, I there was there's always been points where I wondered what it would be like to be a girl and not have to be a gay man. Um, but cultural, but cultural, wise, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> different, po- different, episodes, different, <laughs> different <episodes>. conversation, <laughs> different conversation. Um, culture context. Um, damn, you know, I've I've always been pretty proud to be Boricua, you know, and I think that that comes with the upbringing too. Like you, you've mentioned it before, how like when we were growing up. Puerto Ricans were everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting being a teacher now, how that's not the case and how the Puerto Rican students seek me out. Mm. I guess it's also me being a... Because mus- y'all went to Florida. That, that, <laughs> that, that number one, but also being a music teacher in like a white classical, right. like whatever. Um, yeah, I've always been pretty proud to be Boricua though. I think if there was another, another culture that I would say... I might want to try out or something. I would probably be <laughs> like, try. I don't know. Maybe I'd like <laughs> trying to be like either Dominican or really I would, I would leave the, I would leave it and be like West Indian. Like I want to be like Jamaican or something. Yeah. Shit. Like Caribbean. Like, yeah. The Caribbean like, is lit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what does it mean to be part of a different culture? Are you still like US born or? You know? Oh, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess I didn't even think that far into the question. Mm. Just like I, cause for me, like, yes, I'm US born, but like I grew up in a Dominican household. And so like being in America only permeated that, that filter as far as like it needed to. So like the way schools function being different than what Dominican schools function like, but that's only cause that's how it is. Mm-hmm. But in the walls of my house, there was nothing American. <laughs> mm. It was a Dominican house. I've never thought of that question. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. like, I have some answers, but I definitely want to. I feel like, yeah, I, I, I have Jamaican. I, I'll, that West Indian, like, I would stay in our little, our little sea, though, our right. Caribbean sea. Right. I wouldn't venture out anywhere else. Okay, no way. <laughs> I have thought about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like random things. Like, you don't think about it often. Like, it's not like in your heart, but like you think, you know, like what, yeah. what else might I be? Okay, so I've never, I've, I guess I've never really like dwelled on it because people have always thought I've, I'm from somewhere else in the world. Mm. So I've gotten Albanian, Egyptian, mm. Greek, and I can see all of those. All it's the dark Indian. hair thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I've always thought like, okay, well, I guess if I had to change my culture, I'd be Indian because my best friend is in. One of my best friends is Indian. See how she corrected one of. Is Indian and she every time we're together in a Hispanic neighborhood, everyone like goes up to her because I guess she looks friendly or I don't know, and they'll speak to her in Spanish because then they think she's um, Latina, and then she's always like hanging out, like having me hang out with her Indian friends, and then people will like forget that I'm Indian, so they'll talk to me sometimes in Hindi. I'm just like whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I think I would fit in into that country really well if I had to like ever live there or whatever. But I mean, that's as far as that goes. And Indian people have some banging food. I I love Indian food, I love Indian so food. I wouldn't hate being in India for that. <laughs> you know, ironically, I think like I used to think about this question a lot 
but I wouldn't think of it in the context of like, ooh, like if I could have a different life, like for myself and start from scratch mm. and more so, okay, so when I marry, because I want mm. to incorporate this culture in my life, who am I going to marry and like limiting like what men I would want to date to the culture that I knew I couldn't because whatever, it's That's a fantasy. Strategic. It's a, it's yeah. a fantasy, right? Like there's no way I'm going to like wake up one day and be a different race or yeah. come from, represent a different ethnic background, but uh, I can marry into it. <laughs> so my thing for several years growing up, I, I'm, I'm ashamed and I, I'm, I'm ashamed just in the sense of it came from a place of not understanding colonization and just history and all that stuff. I had a white boy thing, right? Mm. But to me, the particular white boy I wanted to marry for some reason, I wanted to marry an Irish man. I was so... So, no, 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 hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Let me get into it, right? So I always wanted to marry Irish. First it started, and this is from a young age. I want you to understand. I I have a lot of shit. I can write a whole book about what the shit that goes in my head. (laughs) From a very young age, and I'm talking like second grade. Okay. Because green was my favorite color, I always... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I am being vulnerable right now. (laughs) That's green was my favorite color. You know, I loved St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Because I loved St. Patrick's Day, I was always jealous because it always fucked with me that like of all, like everything was like an American holiday, American holiday, American holiday. But then for some reason, all the stores and stuff would transform for this random ass white people holiday, right? Like all of a sudden there's like shamrocks everywhere. And I'm like, yo, Irish people are popping because I know other cultures have holidays, but they don't transform everything like for them. So, and then Mexicans for Cinco de Mayo, but I always knew Mexicans got the most play in terms of Latinos. So I don't just be like, all right, whatever. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> but like, I was like, damn, that's lit. And I'm like, Oh, this idea of like lucky charms, even and I'm like, I know that shit ain't real, but like, wow, the history behind that. And I swore I would marry an Irishman. And then I, I started getting into like, even like redheads. And I was like, wow, like maybe I could have a mixed child that looked this way. Mm. And I was fascinated by it. And then I, started to pick up like you know you start getting older and you get the scope of the world and I started to associate Boston as a very Irish town so Mm. when I was applying to colleges heavy applications in Boston because Mm. I'm telling you I got woke I'm admitting I got actually woke in in college but before college I still really very much had these goals so yeah so heavy I used to say I'm you know I'm gonna start watching hockey to be a Brewers fan because I cannot be a a Red Sox fan because I'm from the Bronx no no I'm telling you and then and but I was a Patriots fan for football because it was Boston and I knew Irish men like like there there was so many and I was deeply deeply dedicated to this idea of marrying an Irish boy um, because I I just wanted to be Irish, but I think that really came from a place of wanting to be white, like, and not mm. wanting to, but, but like wanting to have access to a white culture. And then like um. you get older and then you understand, oh, Irish people are known for drinking and blah, blah, you know? And yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's basically like Dominicans, right? They like to party. They like to be lit. So it's the same, except they're different. So I always mm. wanted to marry an Irish man and sometimes British. So like, depending on what month you caught me and when Harry Potter came out, <laughs> I used to have a huge crush on that motherfucker. Now I'm like, <laughs> so now if we're going to switch the question to like it, what culture would you want to marry into I absolutely would want to marry a Nigerian man Ooh. <sighs> I just want a nice just like 
<laughs> Nigerian daddy. Like yeah. Adiza, my one of my best one of my best friends is Bayesian and Nigerian and her cousins, girl, family reunions. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And her father is the Nigerian one, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's an attractive older man. Yes. Adiza, don't kill me. I'm not I'm not coming for your father. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you know, as far as dads go, he's not some old wrinkly, like, okay, that's mm-hmm. Adiza's dad. It's like, okay, that's a that's I mean Adiza's that entire dad. family. They're honestly. an attractive. Yeah. I mean, their mom is her, her mom yeah. is like <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so Nigeria, do you have a, a now I mean now that <laughs> Now that so the question I, has been posed. Right. So I resonated a lot with what you were saying. I didn't go as far as that. Yeah, no, I'm fucking crazy. Don't, don't I will run. say though, my connection to that story is that I've always been in love with Chris Evans. Ooh. And mm. I get made fun of a lot for this because he's like the most basic looking white man. He really is. But I love him. <laughs> I love it. I love his personality. I feel like we have this we had this connection. I'm in a relationship now. Um, <laughs> and I always had this idea, like I've always been to white guys because I guess, you know, growing up with like a different vocabulary than my friends, I never felt like I was, you know, Latina enough. So I was like, okay, well I guess I blend in with my white friends more. I'll probably marry like a white guy or British guy, like somebody blonde. Like I love blondes. We'll see. I don't like blonde. I, I don't mean, like blonde. red, red brunette. Yeah, blonde for me for some reason. I feel like that's when I was like, "Nah, you white. You a white man. I don't want white. Man. I want Irish man." I mean, they're blonde Irish. No, they absolutely are. Yeah, they're absolutely are. But you know, for the first time, I'm actually dating um, a Latino. Wow. Yeah. What What country is he repping? Peru. Oh, Peru. And it's not just because of the relationship, but I would 100% marry into a Peruvian family. Mm. Because I've been to Peru, the food, not yeah. to bring up food again, but like, wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's like one of the top in the country. I mean, the world. Is it Peruvians that eat salchi papas? Or am I bugging? No. Yeah, they because it's in... Um, I mean, Bio they, they do... Bio yeah. is Peruvian, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That... that I think it, that dish goes across different um, countries, mm-hmm. but but they're mostly known for their like uh, lomo saltado, like mm-hmm. ceviche, mm-hmm. and ceviche. oh my goodness! So there's that. The people are very nice. Like it's a very friendly country, and my boyfriend like has a family of like 300 people just you know in New York, New Jersey, and they're just amazing. And I'll probably marry into that family. Okay, and so last question on this is, you know, why do we think, if you agree that it is important to celebrate one's culture, even when you're not connected to it? So that question really comes from a place of me, for me, that I am still to this day continuing to learn Dominican history. Um, I studied Latinx culture as a minor in college, so that was like my first surgence of like a shit ton of information, but like really a shit ton of information compromise of maybe five different countries, but we have 20 plus Spanish speaking countries. So I've yet to really dig into everything. But I find that sometimes when I ask my Latinx friends that represent some of these countries, I'm like, oh, can you like shed some light? And they're like, I have no fucking clue because they don't Mm -hmm. teach us that. You know, the American educational system is not one that is is catering to the multitudes of culture that it represents, especially in a place like New York, because New York pretty much I feel like if you tried to pick a city that had every uh, one person from every country in the world. New York City would be that city, right? Um, so do you guys think it's important to celebrate and, and really familiarize yourselves with these cultures, even if it's just as far as history, even when you're not connected? Um, I mean, yeah, just I think just the the um, for knowing where you're from and like 
having pride in where you come from. I, I don't like this. I I like the idea that, like, the U.S. is this melting pot and we're all, like, having sex with each other and creating mutts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I just think that there's, like, a certain pride in just knowing where you're coming from and, and where certain things, even if your family is... Even more so if your family is a family that doesn't, like, uphold Hmm. the certain traditions because they've assimilated so much. I think just, like, for the purpose of knowing about your culture. And I feel like I'm that person that has has friends that I'm like, don't forget you're Dominican or don't forget you're this for, like, my, like, more assimilated... Mm Friends, like your last name is Torres, Ali. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think it's important. Period. I don't know. I mean, I've, I 100% agree, and I think it's something that you know we all, we've all touched on not feeling enough of who we are, mm-hmm. and to know that we do have this background, but not really know too much about it. Sometimes you know everybody has like some identity crisis at some point in their life, right? And mm-hmm. to have a culture as rich as ours, I would say, is, you know, it's super helpful in finding out who you are and being proud of it. But it's like, why why be proud? Like, what's the point of being proud of a country, especially if you don't live there? Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once you look at the rest of the world and see people's histories and see, like, who we are, it's almost like, why be proud of being human, you know? Like, we mm-hmm. all have our own tendencies right. and things that make us who we are. It's not just about our food and our music, which is awesome, but it's also about like what values do we uphold, what makes us unique, what makes us better parents or better people in general. Right. And so looking back at what our parents did, you know, hard workers, like this work ethic, which is something you see a lot in Latinos, it's like, oh, that's where I got that from. Um, not to say that I'm going to be like, you know, cleaning floors, but it just, it gives you right. a different type of drive than just being like, oh, now I have to work for the rest of my life or, you know, it gives you different motivations and different parts of your life. And again, like those values that you uphold, whether it's like for the, your future family or, you know, for whatever profession you have in your life, the people around you, like it's all affected. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, like, I think what, when I learned I was Afro-Latina, yes, it was a big, big explosive moment in, in me finding how I could exist within the nuance of the culture that I that I represent. But I think that the older I've gotten, what I understand the most is that the lack of understanding our history as Latinos, period, mm. in all the countries, has put us in a position where we don't actually see the value in understanding our history because we don't understand the accomplishments. So Mm -hmm. we very much view ourselves the way America has taught us to view where we come from and not actually getting to just know it for what it is without having an American filter over it. And so for me, it's more about uh, freeing your mind mm. and it, and it doesn't actually have anything to do with oh and now that I learned this like you know how some people like go to Africa and then they come back with their African name I'm mm-hmm. not saying you have to go <laughs> I'm not saying you have to go you know what I mean to Uruguay and get like your you know indigenous name because like you know but if you do want to do that great right because then that'll be a response from an honest assessment of what the reality is of the history from whence you came is mm. so I think for me as a Dominican it, it's been interesting because because I've always had a lot of Dominican pride um, just because of the household I was raised in. But the more that I've learned, the more that I'm like, 
wow, like I'm proud, but I'm also very disappointed. I'm also very disappointed with a the way in which we've allowed our economy to be controlled by other people, which then informs the way I make decisions when I'm on the island. So like, wow, I love being in resorts and shit like that. I'm a bit more conscious about how I'm spending my dollar when I'm on the island because I understand that filtering it through, you know, these hotel and resort shits is really just filtering it into European and white markets, mm. um, you know, and or understanding that like I had to learn I was Afro Latina and even if I was in DR, I might have not learned that because we are a self-hating mm. people when it comes to our blackness and like understanding understanding that and freeing my mind from that was important. And so whether I choose to stay stick within the norms of what I'm learning or not, I now can have an honest assessment of where I stand on my identity. Cause at the end of the day, while you never have to care what other people think of you, people are always going to view you through the lens of who you are, whether you're a woman. And then after you're a woman, it's, it's your nationality. And quite frankly, if you're a black woman, it's your black first and then you're a woman. And then, you know what I mean? And then people will categorize me. So if I'm walking around as a loud and proud Dominicana, I'd never want to be in a position where somebody could try to tell me about myself and I don't at least have an understanding of it even if I don't know the dates and numbers and data that I don't have an understanding of the truth of what's happening on my in my country because it's, it's not my country but it's my country it is the source of, of the nuances of how I was socialized because my parents socialized me as Dominican mm-hmm. um, so I think that that's why it's important I mean I just really want to piggyback off of that because yeah. it's a it's an amazing point and also like you you think about such like such a growing population in the US it's really no longer like accept your culture and just be your culture be right. your parents or reject it entirely and you know try to be white it's trying to be like the next generation that 2.0 version right. of the people that brought us here mm-hmm. and if you don't accept it then you're kind of just you know letting a culture die or letting people decide for you what that culture is Correct. for you. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing you want in a place where we are growing in numbers. So it's like, why, like we should be defining that, not others. Absolutely. And just to your point of growing numbers, like I forget what year it is that they say that like the Latinx population will be higher than the white population here in the United States. And like, okay, fuck the nuances. Fuck if you know how to speak Spanish, dance salsa, or make a pot of rice, right? Do you understand that banding together with this marker, who, which quite frankly, Latinos didn't choose to be marked as this one, you know, hegemonic group. Mm-hmm. We were placed that way. Yeah. But how do we then leverage that to take our power back mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, if we are now the majority, then that means we are the majority within economies. We are the majorities of people, you know, starting businesses and doing these things. So how do we really control the narrative away from a white narrative and make it our narrative? And that that is a collective goal, but it is an unrealistic goal if we don't actually understand the source of the things that make us different. And like when we think about marketing, I, even like when we were talking about your game, it's like, all right, who's this being marketed to right so like yes now it's hitting one group but you're even saying eventually we might have to hit these other places because there's different groups and different people mm-hmm. interpret things different ways but there's so much power in our numbers and and i'll, I'll end with this um watching john Leguizamo's um that in history for morons i took my dad uh when it was here in in new york um on broadway and we took my dad me and my sister to watch it and I the show was super informative it lacked a little bit in Afro-Latino history which I was kind of like but he's also not Afro-Latino so I was like all right that's fine it's not your story to tell I almost started crying watching my father watching the show because 
as much history as my father knew, there's a there's a part in the play where, um, you know, John Leguizamo's really like spitting out facts and is like, in this war in American history, did you know it was actually, a, you know, Puerto Rican who did this? And did you know that it was a Colombian who did that? And back in like, you know, indigenous times, did you know, like we know about Pocahontas, did you know about this person? Like, you know, and just like bringing out history stories that literally you'd have to do research. You know, there is not just like easily accessible information. And I was just like, bro, like we, and, and he says something, and I'm paraphrasing, if if we if white people let us know just how powerful we are just what, from what we've already done let alone what we could do like they would be in trouble because mm. the amount of pride you feel the same way they have George Washington's Christopher Columbus's and blah 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 if we knew all of ours in those realms like we would under, we would be acting like our shit don't stick we'd be so come mierda as as a race because mm. we have that much to be proud about yeah so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all period. So and that's all period. <laughs> Shout out to Deji. All right, so thank you so much, Carolina, for being with us today. We are super excited that you joined us. Let us know any upcoming things to look out for, any shout outs you have, and where can we find you? Okay, so I'll start off with, I'll start backwards. So you can find Tragos. Um, you know, on social media, we're scaling. We want to do YouTube very soon. Ooh. Yes. Get in there. Um, the content speaks for itself. But, you know, for now, we're at Dragos Game on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And you could find us on uh, dragosgame.com, our own website, and on Amazon. And uh, what's coming up? So we definitely want to be distributed more. Right now, we are all online. So we'd love to, you know look at some wholesale opportunities, mm-hmm. be in like physical stores. I keep be seeing the Target logo in my head. I, I'm, you know, I'm not a bruja, but sometimes I be seeing shit. So I just really? keep seeing Target as you're talking. I yeah. love Target. Yes. People <laughs> know I'm obsessed with it and I'm not the only one. Right. It's, it's you know, it's that rebrand. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's, it. who knows? We'll, we'll see. We'll right. see. But yeah, definitely being in physical stores and being in actual locations people are always like i need it for my birthday and then we don't make it in time and it breaks everyone's heart it's like no so that's Mm. that's definitely what we want to you know do that's what that's literally only reason why we're on amazon so we could be on prime so we could be more accessible right there's that and then you know of course thinking about what the next expansion pack is going to be you know how do we make it more interesting love getting feedback from people who play and seeing like what those next packs will be. Will they be themed? Will they be, Mm. you know, just general, you know, we kind of go back and forth between, Mm -hmm. do we want it to apply to everybody to make them feel united? Or do we want to really dive into certain subcultures and countries? Because that's what makes people so happy. I was literally thinking that in my head. I was like, even if it took, a long time like the longevity of this game like being years I think part of that is like well yeah the game lives on and like this year we released these five countries and the other year we released these five countries I don't know listen put us on your team we be, <laughs> we, will, we will drop in some ideas for y'all for sure yes. yeah so that's I mean it's a, that's the fun part you know besides from like the whole business aspect which luckily it's become a business it's not something that we ever really imagined scaling to the point that it's at you know we already have like five team members all Latinas, coincidence, but they're all amazing. So I will give a shout out to them. They're all incredible. We're a remote team. Um, I would say like half of us are in New York, but you know, we have someone in LA that's traveled everywhere. Laura, I'll like give you a shout out. (laughs) We have someone in Spain, Marjorie. I've known her from high school and everyone's just like a different culture. So it's just an amazing experience in general. And you know, there's a lot more to come. I'll 
you know, you can follow us to find out more. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And then um, any, like, so tragos.com? Tragosgame.com. Tragosgame.com. And at Tragosgame on Instagram. Absolutely. Skittles, where can they find us? And you guys can find us at Ladies Who Bruncher on Instagram, Ladies Who Bruncher on YouTube, Ladies Bruncher on Twitter. And you can listen to us on all of your favorite streaming platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. And until next time, Bronche. Bronche, Bronche. That's how we say brunch. Here's to the ladies who say music with their lunch. You want that bochinche? So what if we get batches? We from the Bronx. That's it. Don't get it twisted. We be going to Manhattan. Be a queen. Be a boss. Ladies who brush a pop in the Hey, we